pray with me. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity to uh, be in worship, to be in your word for a few minutes, and to hear what you would have to say to us. Father, we pray that the joy that has been expressed, at least, around this time of year would be an actuality in our lives. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hope that you've enjoyed singing nine of the church's top ten Christmas carols from our survey last year. Our number one hymn, uh, Christmas hymn, is Silent Night, which we sang on Christmas Eve. I just want to take a few minutes in the midst of our lessons and carols to remind us that this, the Christmas celebration and the Christmas spirit is supposed to be meaningful for the entire year. That's the plan, anyway. Pastor Laura and I, we have a little tree. It about, stands about this high. It's got lights built into it. And we leave it up all year round. Sometimes we rename it for important events like National Hot Chocolate Day and those kinds of things. But nonetheless, the tree is there to remind us, at least it's a visual aid to help us remind us. And I think we need it, this kind of constant reminder of the presence, a marker of joy. And our culture has this so messed up. Uh, at least in the commercial aspect of it. I mean, it's starting in October, they do the pre-Christmas sales, and you know they've got the decorations parked in the back of the stores waiting to put them out, and we, we kind of zoom into the commercialization, and then there's the, the, the day after Thanksgiving, which is this massive shopping day, and then there's Cyber Monday, which is another massive shopping day, and it's like this intense marketing effort, and I don't know about you, but for me, that intense marketing effort can help uh, at least get in the way of me seeing what's really going on. And then our culture, like on December 26th, they turn the switch. Christmas is off, and I heard this morning in the Williams Welcome Center that apparently one of the large box stores in town, I won't mention the name of Walmart, already has... Valentine's Day candies on display ready for the next event. And I'm going, are you kidding me? When I lived in England and Germany, I was impressed. The Christmas trees didn't go up until Christmas Eve, but they stayed up for the entire 12 days of Christmas. It was a different kind of atmosphere. And, and for me, I think it's true from the Bible that we don't just need 12 days of Christmas we need like a, a whole year's full of Christmas. That spirit of joy that comes with the realization that God has sent his son into the world to save us from our sin. And we need to hear it over and over and over again. And we need to feel it over and over and over again. And we need to think on it over and over and over again. We need constant reminders couple had been married for 25 years and they went to marriage counseling and the wife's lament was this. He never tells me he loves me anymore. And he said, listen, I told her on our wedding day that I loved her and if I change my mind, I'll let her know. Sometimes, at least in my life, sometimes it's only at the marker events when I pause to, to think about and embrace and, and be, be joyful in the kind of way that God has called us to. Anniversaries, the only time we tell loved ones that we value them? I hope not. 
Birthdays, the only time we tell folks that we're glad they're here and that we love them? I hope not. Christmas, the only time we remind ourselves of the goodness and greatness of God and the gratitude we have for his gift? Man, I hope not. And I'm not talking about the rushing and bustling and hassles of schedules. And I don't know why it is, again, our culture has decided that all of our parties and things, they all have to happen in the month of December. I'm talking about the opportunity for deep, deep joy at the realization of all that God has done for us through his son, Jesus. So that's why the readings and the carols today that remind, to remind us that even though December 25th has come and gone, the presence of Christ and the spirit of Christmas remain. The book of Philippians in the Bible has been called the letter of joy because The word joy itself, or cognates of the word joy, are found in that short letter over a dozen times. Chapter 1, verse 4, Paul prays with joy because of ministry partnership he has with people in the church. Chapter 1, verse 18, Paul rejoices about the continued preaching of the gospel of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 26, Paul is excited that the Philippians' joy will overflow not because of circumstances, but because of their growth in the faith. And that's just in chapter one of that one letter, but I hope you get the idea. Joy is supposed to be a central theme of the Christian life. You remember a Charlie Brown Christmas, right? And Linus, quoting the Gospel of Luke, says the angels told the shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Last year, in my doctoral student teaching, I worked with a student who was doing work to help Christians retain and express joy. And when I first heard his proposal, I thought, really, we have to work to be reminded to maintain and retain joy? But my observation is, he's right. We need to keep our focus on the work of Christ and to keep that things in front, that in front of us. We need to keep that focus on the joy that comes with knowing Christ when things are going well. Because we remember the source of joy. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly light. So when things are going well, man, our reflex should be joy in response to the graciousness and goodness of God. But also, here's the weird thing about Christianity. And I first read this verse when I was a brand new Christian, and I thought for a moment that the author of this particular book of the Bible, James, was was like on crack or something. Because in chapter 1, verse 2, he says this, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I thought, James, are you kidding me? Joy in the middle of trials, that is not the way my life has been running. But he was straightforwardly serious and not on crack, but inspired by the Holy Spirit to remind us, to remind us, to remind me that God is at work in the middle of those difficult circumstances if we'll let him to bring us to further maturity in Christ. In fact, in James chapter 1, verse 4, post-trial joy is described as making us mature and complete. So... How do we do this joy thing? I think there's a couple of things that are important to remember. 
The first thing is that we need to cling to Jesus. Because in Galatians chapter 5, joy is described as an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. That Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And so we we cling to Jesus. We, We hold on to Him. My grandkids in Colorado have a big, 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 big dog. It's a big white dog named Chuck. Chuck the dog. This big white dog who everywhere he goes, he leaves a trail of white fur behind him. Everything Chuck has ever touched, everything the people who've ever touched Chuck have touched has white fur all over it. But here's the thing. My granddaughter in Colorado, whose name is Harper, remember that name because one day she's going to rule the universe. Anyway, how do I know she loves Chuck? Because when there are pictures of her with Chuck, she's like holding on to him, clinging tightly to this dog that she loves. And, and, and you and I, we need to cling tightly to Jesus. How do we do that? We do that by immersing ourselves in the Bible, by holding on to the truth of the Word of God. We cling to Jesus that way. We cling to Jesus by being people of prayer. Man, if Sunday morning, saying the Lord's Prayer is the only time we're praying, we are in serious, serious, serious trouble. People of prayer, how do you cling to Jesus? We pray, we talk to Him. And we cling to Jesus, cling to Jesus by being in fellowship with, with other believers. The writer of the letter of Hebrews in the Bible says in chapter 10 that we should not forsake gathering together. We should not give up on each other in the fellowship. We should come together to worship. And he says there that if if we do that, that coming together in worship is designed to spur us on toward good deeds. So holding tightly to Jesus is not like my granddaughter clinging to Chuck in that very physical way. Holding on to Jesus is a matter of being immersed in the things that he's given to us to enable us to know him better and love him more deeply and experience joy. And then how else... Do we experience joy? You and I, we have to be on the active lookout for the work of God around us, in us, and through us. Pastor Laura has been a VBS fan since they invented it back in the 1800s. But one of the things she does in Vacation Bible School, when they have the large group gathering, is on the very first day, she encourages the kids to to be ready to report back each day with a God sighting, some visible evidence of God at work in their lives or in the lives of the people around them. And being purposeful about that is the key to us being able to see what God is doing. Now sometimes, at least in my experience, I get to know what God is doing because he slaps me up the side of the head with a big old two by four 
Wacko. See? Oh, yeah, I see it now. When, when I could have been actively eyes up, looking around, watching to see what God is doing. So, as we move out of 2019 and into 2020, can you imagine? It's the year 2020. As we move into 2020, let's keep the joy of Christmas. I want you to cling tightly to Jesus. I want you to actively be looking for what he's doing, to see what's happening in the world that God is doing. Let me tell you, if you read your newsfeed on your phone or you turn on the TV and you listen to the, the talking heads talk about it, you'll be convinced that the entire world is going to hell in a handbasket tomorrow. But God is still at work. Jesus said, my father is at work to this very day, and I too am working. So you and I, we can be looking for where he's working. We can join in in with him in the work that he's doing. Because let me tell you a little pastoral secret. I am convinced, based on my 30 plus years of doing this, and I know you're hoping that, you know, doing it so long, someday I'll get better at it. Sorry about that. You see, what you see is what you get. But I am convinced, based on my experience in churches all around this world, that the deepest joy that Christians feel is when they are partnering together for ministry to accomplish God's purposes. Christian joy is not a happy spray that we put on and decorate ourselves with. Christian joy comes with clinging tightly to Jesus, being on the lookout for what he does, and joining together to accomplish his purposes. So I don't know when you pack up your Christmas decorations. You don't have to confess that you've already packed them up. It's okay. I don't know when you pack up your Christmas decorations. But whenever you pack them up, and as we move towards the last Christmas carol that we're going to sing for this season, this morning, even if we're packing up Christmas decorations and we are packing up Christmas songs, let's not pack up Christmas. Let's keep the joy. Pray with me. Father, we thank you this morning that you have called us to the place of joy, not a superficial place of artificial happiness, but a place of deep, deep abiding joy that comes to us as we grasp hold of and cling tightly to Jesus, even in the middle of difficulty, but especially in the middle of partnering together with other people who believe in Jesus to do your work. Father, spur us on with joy, that we might be people of joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.